Welcome to the Knowing God Podcast. The hope of this podcast is that it would help you to know the Word of God so that you may ultimately know God. I'm your host, Andrew Rutten. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross." Well, we have finally made it out of Paul's introduction, and now we approach that text, maybe the most famous and most beautiful part of the book of Colossians. And in fact, I would say it might be one of the most vital pieces in all of the New Testament. It is packed with theology, with beauty, with craftsmanship, with artistry, and with the glory of Jesus Christ. And so before we get into this over the next handful of episodes, I do want to take this episode just to orient ourselves to this section and pull out maybe one main idea that maybe you wouldn't think of right away as we get into this. And before we get into this section over the next handful of episodes, I want to take this episode to kind of orient ourselves to this section. Uh, which really goes all the way to verse 23. I just read to verse 20 because in there, there's some clear parallelism and a purpose to this section. So that's where we're going to start today. And before we start, um, you know, mining the gold from these six verses, I do think it's helpful to recognize from the beginning that this is widely considered to be a poem or maybe more accurately, a hymn. Now, debates will rage between scholars and theologians on if this was a contemporary hymn that Paul took and he just inserted it here, or maybe he had written it at another time and he saw it fit to place it here, or maybe he just wrote it as he was writing this letter uh, and then it was later sung by the church. To be honest, from the little bit of study that I've done, I haven't been convinced one way or another, but here is what I do think we can know. No matter who wrote the hymn, And whenever it was written, the reality is this is a a poem probably put to music and sung in the early church. Maybe you've wondered before, what did the early church sing? You know, like five years after Jesus ascended into heaven, what were they singing in their gatherings? Maybe you've never wondered that before. I want you to think about uh, just, you know, a couple years after Jesus rose from the dead, we don't have this whole list of Christian songs to sing. What do you think they were singing when they gathered together? Well, we know from historical records and commands in the scriptures that they were singing. And I think this is a glimpse into a song that was most likely sung by different churches in the first century, which is why I want to, in this episode, hit pause and think about the songs we sing. You know, it's been said in different ways uh, that if you want to know the theology of a church, listen to them sing. Think about that. You know, if you want to know the theology of a pastor, listen to him preach, right? That, that's going to, his theology will shine through. But if you want to truly know the day-to-day theology of a congregation, of the people, the church, listen to them sing. 
Because our songs we sing, they're not in addition to a church gathering or they're not something you do kind of meaninglessly in the shower to pass time while you're doing chores. These songs that we sing about God matter. They reveal something about us and they shape how we view God. One reality that I readily and openly acknowledge, even as a preacher, is that people in church are far more likely to remember lyrics to a song than quotes from a sermon. I mean, just think about yourself. If you've been to church you know, over the last couple of weeks, think about how many lyrics can come to your mind far quicker than a quote from a sermon. And when people are doing chores on a Sunday afternoon, it's not paragraphs from the sermon that are usually rattling around in their brains. It's a verse from a song that we sang. The songs we sing are incredibly important because they are what sticks. Yeah, I remember a couple of years ago, I was sitting with my wife's grandma, who's passed now, but uh, her health condition at that point was was not great. And she struggled to remember much, and it was hard. She couldn't really carry on much of a conversation at this point. But I do remember at one point, we were talking about a passage of scripture that brought to her mind an old hymn. She couldn't really think of the scripture, but once it connected to a hymn, she began to actually sing it. And she sang the verses flawlessly. I mean, she couldn't remember what I had said three minutes before that, but somehow she remembered this obscure hymn that she hadn't sung in three decades. That's how music works. It sticks. It shapes us. So today, I want you to take a moment and ask yourself, what type of songs am I singing? What type of songs does my church sing? You know, think about that. If you go to Providence, the church where I'm a pastor at, think about the songs we sing. If you're in another church context, think about the songs that your church sings. You know, more important than style, although I actually am a big believer in that style matters to music and congregational singing, but more important is the theology behind it. The words that are being put in your mind and in your mouth. Do not compromise on singing songs that exalt God, remind you of his beauty and bigness, and help you worship him truly as he is. You know, it's not bad to have an emotional response in the moment while you're singing. I I do often, but that is not our ultimate goal. Our ultimate goal is worshiping the one true God and good songs with rich theology and deep meaning are impactful in our knowing and worshiping God. And there may not be better songs than Colossians 1, 15 through 20. That we need more songs like this. Big view of God, glorious vision of Christ, seeing him as supreme above all things. It is reasons like Colossians 1, 15 and 20 that we give our lives to knowing this God because he's that good to enjoying finding out more about him and walking with him in greater ways. If you want to know God and understand who Jesus is, this passage is about as good a place to start as any. And that's the beauty of good songs. They can put words together so artistically and impactfully that they stir your heart up to worship. Don't cheapen your relationship with God with bad songs that are putting bad theology or shallow theology into your mind. Pick songs like Colossians 1, 15 and 20, beautifully written deep in theology. And you know, what is beautiful about this particular passage is that it's really broken up into two parts to show us the beauty of Christ. 
the first part, verses 15 and 17, show Christ as creator, that he is supreme over creation. Verses 18 and 20, the second part, show Christ more as the savior of the church. He's sufficient for new creation. So he's supreme over creation and supreme over the church and new creation. And we'll walk through those two headings, probably one verse at a time over the next handful of episodes. But today, let me end with just one final challenge. Let me loop back around to what I said before. I want you to consider the songs that you sing and consider the songs that your church sings. You know, for yourself, do the songs that you are singing, do they point you to the majesty of God, the glories of him who created you and who saved you, the beauty of Jesus Christ? Does it point to that? Because songs are powerful. It is revealing something in you and it is shaping you in a powerful way. Think about your church. Do the songs that you sing in your church gathering bring truth in a way that impacts not just your emotions for a few moments, but your view of God and your soul forever? And listen, if they do that, hold on to them, like cling to those songs, sing them, encourage the one at your church who is choosing songs because these songs are mattering to your life. Allow songs to be a regular part of your growing theology and growing in your knowing God. And to be honest, if these songs that you sing do not do this, then would you ask other people in your church, other friends or family members to point you to good songs that do? Let's be honest with each other about the songs we sing, about the power of music and songs, and let's choose together to pick good songs that we can sing that help us point to the glory of God. Now to end, let me read this hymn one more time because it's that good. This is Colossians 1, starting in verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church, He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Friends, may God bless you and keep you. May he give you favor, grace, and peace.